that a little bit last week, but we're going to talk specifically about rejoicing in the furtherance of the gospel. I remember over 50, I, I don't remember this, but I remember reading about this. Some of you remember this. Over 50 years ago, when our, we first landed on the moon, um, I read about that, okay? All right, I wasn't there. I didn't see. Um, but w- the whole thing of our space, um, NASA, our space program, man, we put so much money into that, a lot of money for probably since the late 50s into this, uh, through the early 70s, lots of money into our space program. We're trying to beat the Russians to get to a place that's a desert, you know, basically on the moon. Um, but we got to the moon, and man, when they got to the moon and they landed, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and walked around, all the guys and the staff, there was thousands of people that were behind that whole thing at the launch center in, in Florida and at the command control center in Houston. When they landed and they safely landed, everybody was like, yeah, you know, everybody was excited because we put two men on a place where there's no life at all. And we were excited because we got there. You know, we did a, we made an advance. We made, we furthered the United States' flag and planted our flag there. And they're excited about that. And so, uh, and it, it is a neat thing. It is a neat thing that the United States has done that as far as getting out uh, 50 years ago, standing on the moon under the technology that we had to depend on back then. It's amazing. But Paul is excited about something more consequential. It's a furtherance, not of a space program, but of the gospel, and he rejoices in it. And so we're going to consider that today and and what it means to us. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18, here. And here Paul says in verse 12, But I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren waxing, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. You know, it's um, the, um, many of you, you, your hearts are probably sad, and I am too, of the stuff that's going on in the Middle East and Afghanistan with Christians being killed. Um, Brother Harms just told me of like, through another pastor who knows a church that was in Kabul, Kabul, right? Was it in a house church? Probably they're all house churches. Uh, cave churches, some of them, uh, with completely martyred, completely killed, all of them executed today, of the, their day. And uh, people are dying there. Um, you know, our United States, uh, for whatever we want to think about the war, um, the, the wars that we've had the last 20 years in the Middle East, um, whether we should have did it or not is another question, but one benefit was that it, it kind of pushed back a little bit of the... Um, 
what would otherwise be the restrictions to get the gospel in. And um, the gospel has... Did you know when, when we took down Saddam Hussein, there was a church started in his palace. There was a church meeting in his palace, I think, a week or two later. Did you know that? There was a Baghdad, at, well, I don't know if it still exists. There was a Baghdad Baptist church um, at some point. Maybe there still is. I, I'm, 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 I would think there's still some churches in Iraq. Um, there's certainly some in Afghanistan that I could gather. And so the wars to Iraq and Afghanistan, kind of two different focuses there, Saddam Hussein and then the Taliban who was feeding terrorists and all. We had different interests, I know, and there may be political things and financial things that might be involved. But you know what? The gospel went forth. It did. And, and I know it's closing and people are dying and there's bloodshed, but it might also be encouraging people that we don't know about to be more bold there. It could be. Um, I, I don't say that as a, without precedence. That's happened before. So I'm sad. I know you're sad. There's consequences, by the way, to our votes, right? Yeah. You know, there's different minds here making decisions now in the White House. But my whole point in just make, having that brief discussion is that um, perhaps some unexpected progress took place with the gospel in Iraq, in Afghanistan, that maybe wouldn't have otherwise taken place if we had not gone there. Um, so Paul is excited about some unexpected progress. I told you a silly illustration of me sending a fender right. on Greyhound bus. I didn't know that was a way you could ship it. At least back then it was. I don't know if it still is. but And I shipped a fender to a guy I sold it to on a Greyhound bus. Saved a little money too. Unexpected way to move something forward. And so Paul talks about that. He talks about furtherance, furthering something, progressing something, seeing it go forward instead of sit and stay, seeing the gospel message go forward, be communicated. He was excited about it, the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I would you should understand it, verse 12. Look what he says. I would you should understand, brethren, the things which happened to me have fallen out. The fallout was not bad. The fallout was forward. And to the furtherance of the gospel. I wish you would understand. I desire you to understand this. Do we desire the furtherance of the gospel? Furtherance of the gospel message. Paul really desired it. Paul was excited about it, even though he was apprehended, didn't have his freedom. He was excited that it went forward. In fact, he, you'll see, Paul's excited when the gospel goes forward, even with people he might not like. We're going to look at that. Do we get excited about the furtherance of the gospel? I'm excited we get to support some missionaries in different parts of the world, get to pray for them, encourage them when they come here, give in our faith promise, our missions uh, giving. That, by the way, we're kind of down on that. I uh, hope that you would consider giving on a, some regular basis toward our missionaries. You just label it on the offering, and it helps go to support them. They get a little bit each month, most of them about $100 a month from, this, from our church. Helps them do their work on these different continents of the gospel. We get excited about the furtherance of the gospel here. Um, people will get, you know, some people are, right now, they're not at all concerned about the furtherance. They want, they're concerned about how many more people are reading their post right now. And that's all they're concerned about. Eh, the gospel, yeah. Some people, they're not hardly concerned at all about the furtherance of the gospel. They just want more people to know their business name. 
that's okay for people to want to know your business and want to know your and want to know your special post you put online. That's okay. It's in its place, right? There's a place. It's just lower than the place of the post of the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. Paul really was interested in it. He took interest, great interest, great effort. Do I take great interest? Do I take great effort? Do I take any effort? We have this theme, and I always feel inadequate emphasizing our theme each year. You shall be witnesses unto me. I need to be witness. I want to see the gospel furthered beyond the walls of the church. Furthered, penetrated, further penetrated. You know, you some of you saturate your meat. You want it all to get saturated with some marinade. Just get right in there, right? Some of you, you want to, you're trying to throw a football further and further. I can throw a football 50 yards now. You know, you want to go further and further. People in the Olympics, they want to throw the javelin further and the shot put further and those uh, other people taking steroids further. No, I'm just kidding. I know they test them. People want to advance, move it further, 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 further. And so we want to, in a more important thing, those are nice, those are neat, those are wonderful. Uh, but the greatest thing is they advance the gospel. I, I want my political ideas furthered. You know, I know ultimately my political ideas and yours probably we share the same will probably all die the more lost people there are in this country. But because the more lost people there are in this country, there's a great party that will accommodate that, their minds, uh, another party. But I want my political ideas further. I would like, if I had a business, I'd want people to know about it and I want people to buy my product. And if I had posts that I'm going to put online, I want people to read it. That's fine. But I want to be as thoughtful and as affectionate and as happy about getting the gospel out as Paul is. Paul is so excited about the gospel furthering that he's even excited that it happens in his confinement and through his confinement. And secondly, he's excited even when it happens to people he doesn't agree with. We're going to consider that. The gospel can be forwarded through two unique scenarios. It can be forwarded and furthered even through our confinements. We see that in verses 12, to, uh, 12 and 13. And then it can be furthered even through contrasting motives. Let's consider, we, we spent time here on verses 12 and 13 last week. Well, let's again touch on it a little bit again, and then we'll go into these new verses that we haven't looked at yet. Number one, as we think about the furtherance of the gospel, consider the fact that it can be furthered even in a person's confinement. That is, somebody's restricted. They're not doing their normal routine. They're limited. They're controlled by things they didn't want to be controlled by. And yet, something good is still happening. A message is still going forth. Paul said, again, what's the verse here? What are you talking about, Pastor? Here, what are you, what are you talking about? Look at verse 12. Paul said, I wish you would understand, brethren, that the things that happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. So what happened to Paul? In Acts 21, it records how at the beginning of this whole story of him getting passed around to different rulers and governors um, between Israel, Caesarea, on the sea, on an island, and then finally in Rome, Paul got arrested in Israel at Jerusalem. A bunch of his countrymen were really mad at him. They arrested him, and they made these false accusations. But even when they did that, Paul stood on the stairs of a palace... A palace was basically one of the stronghold, uh, or castle, it said castle. 
Uh, there was an area where the Romans were kind of policing everything that's going on around Jerusalem because those Jews can get really out of hand. So they'll step in and control them. So they took Paul and they're like, what's going on with you? Why are all your countrymen mad? He goes, hold on, let me talk to them. And he starts speaking in Hebrew and probably a thousand or two Jews all of a sudden shut their mouth and listened to Paul. Paul gave the God, he gave his testimony to them. They didn't like it, but he gave his testimony of the gospel to them. They didn't like it. They got all mad. He got taken away. And he gets passed along. I'm trying to shorten the story up. He goes and meets this one governor, gives the gospel to him. The governor has a personal meeting later on with him and his wife. Paul gives the gospel to him and his wife. And so much so, the guy trembled. He was under conviction. And then the guy hoped Paul would give him a bribe to let him, bribe to let him free. Paul never bribed, gave him a bribe. And then Paul got to do another, talk to another governor. And then this one man named King Agrippa, King Agrippa who who was uh, familiar with Herod. He was a Herod. He had some Jewish blood and Jewish awareness. Paul gave the gospel to King Agrippa, and King Agrippa was right on the edge of probably deciding. And Paul says, oh, you know, the, you, believe the pro, you believe the prophets, Agrippa. Come on. You believe these things I'm saying. And Agrippa's like, ah, you almost got me there. Almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul says, I wish you were. I wish you were just like me except being in these bonds. I wish everybody in here was just like me, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, except bound like this. And Paul made the gospel known to governors, kings, uh, Jewish men who hated him, made it very clear what the gospel was. He, he got put on a ship. We don't, go, we don't see all of his dialogue, but he probably communicated the gospel to some of the other rough and tough prisoners on the ship, and the shipmaster and one of the men that was uh, supposed to uh, keep track of him. They were straight, the ship ran aground uh, and was in a, stranded on an island called Melita. All the prisoners survived. They floated to shore. He probably gave the gospel to the barbarous people there because there was some interaction with the leader. Then Paul got picked up and the rest of the prisoners got picked up from their um, being shipwrecked and after a few months and were finally taken to Italy and then to Rome. And Paul's in Rome and here he is in Rome. And he tells the Philippians, you know what? All this stuff that happened, I couldn't have planned this out. I've been preaching to churches and in synagogues and getting beat up and in the markets. And, but i got to give the gospel to a whole bunch of the guys at the, at the temple and then to this governor, that king, this governor, this. And now I'm in Caesar's palace and now it's being voiced there in the highest place of human authority. Paul was confined, he was put out of his routine, he was restricted, and yet the gospel went further through means of his restriction. And probably commanders and captains and soldiers in the, the household of Caesar heard the gospel. He's right under the nose of the most powerful man in the world, and, and he's hearing the gospel. Paul, look what he says, have fallen out so that, uh, under the furtherance of the gospel, verse 13 so that my bonds in Christ, that my apprehension that pertains to being a Christian, are revealed, are being told about, are being disclosed to everybody in the palace and in all other places. Everybody's finding out who this prisoner was. Paul didn't want to be famous necessarily as a prisoner, but being famous as a prisoner for Christ, he probably thought, hey, that's not bad. People get to hear why I'm a prisoner for Jesus. I told you that Martin Luther, the reformer, who the Lutherans came from, was put in a cap. I think his, it's actually his friends arrested him and put him in a prison. 
because they were trying to protect him from the Catholics. And they, his friends put him in a prison. It's funny. It was in a castle. He spent a lot of time there and worked on a translation of the German Bible, and it became a very long-standing, dependable, accurate translation. John Bunyan, who was at least twice in jail, wrote Pilgrim's Progress when he was in jail, which became a, 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 a good gospel witness. Um, sometimes people are restricted and they think, well, nothing's going to happen in my life because I'm restricted. I wish I could do more. I wish I wasn't so restricted. Sometimes God can make something good come out of our confinement. Sometimes God will give you an audience that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise had. I've told you this story before. I'll tell you the shorter version of it again. There was a lady, an older lady. She lived near a university uh, in somewhere in Australia. A lot of students attended this university, a lot of international students. And she was getting older. She couldn't do a lot. So she decided she wanted to just invite somebody over for tea. So she put up these little paper invitations at this college, at this university. You know, are you lonely? Do you want to have some tea? Meet me at my house, 4 p.m. And she put that invitation up on some bulletin board when they had them years ago at a university somewhere in Australia. And nobody showed up for a few weeks. And then finally, after a few weeks, somebody showed up, some international student, some guy from India or something, showed up at her door. She'd made tea every day. Nobody showed up. Finally, somebody showed up. She had tea with this guy. He enjoyed being with her. She was a Christian. Eventually, she gave him the gospel, not right on the spot. Eventually, she communicated that to him. But when the guy first went to have tea with her, he went back to school and said, hey, guys, you should come meet this lady. She's just like my grandma. All of his homesick other international students came with, you know, a lot of them started coming with him. Pretty soon, she's had given tea to all these different guys from different places. Of course, some, some locals, national Australians as well. And I don't know how long it passed, somebody, maybe a year or two. But after so many times, she got to meet a lot of these students, and, some, and a number of them professed faith in Jesus Christ. And at her funeral, a couple hundred of them came to her funeral from this school, from this university. She thought she was confined. She was reaching the world. Her bonds turned out, fell out for the furtherance of the gospel. Here's what I'm going to say. We'll, we'll work the rest of this point and move on. Don't discount your confinements. God may be arranging you to testify to someone that you would have otherwise overlooked when everything else was ideal in your life. Don't discount your confinements. You, God might be arranging you to speak to somebody that in your normal ideal scenarios you wouldn't have had a mind for. You would have discounted and overlooked them. But now that you're defined, now that you're in a sick, or now that you're contained for a while, or now that you're quarantined or whatever, your mind's different and like, oh, you know what? Now I can speak to this person. Oh, I've been at home for a while. Now I think I'm going to go ahead and talk to my neighbor now. God might bring confinements for the furtherance of the gospel. Look what else it produced. One more little sub-point here before we go to the next one. It, it incited some boldness in others. Look at verse 14. And many of the brethren waxing in the Lord, waxing confident, that means growing confident by what? By my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what was happening? Other Christians heard about, did you hear Paul's and did you hear Paul's got arrested? Yeah. Did you hear he got 
he passed along from this governor to this King Agrippa to these ships, and he kept telling them the gospel. Yeah, we heard about that. Did you hear he got stranded on an island? Yeah, we heard about that. Did you hear now he's in Caesar's palace? Yeah, we heard about that. What's he been doing? He's been telling even the gospel to those big, rough and tough centurions that are, or soldiers that are tied to him, and even Caesar's heard the gospel. Wow, really? If Paul's not afraid of giving the gospel to that old, wild, crazy Caesar, then man, maybe I shouldn't be. Somehow, someway, I don't know, it, it, caused, it, it helped somebody else have a little more boldness. When they heard that Paul was at risk, really, for dying, he wasn't going to in this case, not yet. And Paul was arrested, which seems shameful, and yet he didn't close his mouth yet. And they see how, boy, he's still giving testimony to people. He's still being a witness for Jesus and... And you know what it did for the guys that were free and hearing? They're like, I can. Well, then I can. My dad, I remember my dad telling me, I have two younger brothers, Cliff and Chance, and my dad, at one point, they had training wheels. Cliff and Chance had training wheels on their bikes for a while when they were younger. And and dad told told us one time, so our driveway kind of is up a little bit at the house there in East Enid. And Cliff's like, Cliff came, Cliff's a little older than Chance. Cliff came to, dad says, he said, um, hey, Dad, can you, take off, can you take off my training wheels? And uh, I was like, all right, take off your training wheels. So Dad took off the training wheels, and Chance is standing there. Chance got his bike with training wheels, too. Chance is watching Dad take off Cliff's training wheels. Dad takes off Cliff's training wheels. Cliff gets on his bike, goes right down the driveway. Didn't even, no fault, just right down there, man, like a pro. Didn't go, ah! he just, he's gone, you know. He, think, he still thinks he's a pro. My brother Cliff, you know. There's other stories I could tell you about that one. <laughs> he Baja, he has pictures of jumping his truck. It's like this high. The underside of it is like this high off the ground. He's jumping it somewhere in Florence, somewhere. Anyways, uh, Cliff, he takes, he, man, he rides and rides his bike. And then Chance comes up to Dad. He goes, Dad, Dad, can you take off, isn't that right? Dad, can you take off my training wheels? I mean, Chance saw Cliff. You can do that. Dad, take off my training wheels. Dad took off Chance's training wheels. Well, he was gone too. That's it. Such a spiritual illustration, isn't it? You see one guy, he's bold enough to do it. I can do it then too, you know. Hey, listen, this is serious. You know, you see Paul, Paul go through his afflictions and not cower, not become more weak, but still just be the Christian he's meant to be. Even under the nose of Caesar, still the gospel. He wasn't like when he kind of says, okay, guys, shh. Any of you guys that are Christians too, shh, shh, don't tell anybody. Hey, how come you got arrested? Uh, personal. No, he told people. In fact, they would have told it anyways. And so, it emboldened others. And so, here's the thing for us. Okay, what does that mean to me? Don't shun observing other suffering Christians. You know, don't shun watching other Christians who are being persecuted or who are being um, tested for their faith, actually, if you watch them, it might bring boldness in your life that you have needed for a long time. You know, I like, it's weird, but I like to read Voice of the Martyrs magazine. It's a short little magazine because I'm like, I'm such a wimp. I need to step it up. Oh, it's hot in church. Oh, please, people are in caves. Happy. Worshiping Jesus and going out, they might get hit with a bullet. Some people are going down to be baptized. They might go home, go home and get deheaded. 
beheaded by their Muslim uncle. And I read that stuff, I'm like, I need to step it up a little bit. People that watch Paul being in prison or being, in this case, house arrest, like, you know what? I need to step it up a little bit. I need to be a little more bold and not be such a little sissy. And that's what happens. So sometimes a person's confinement can help give the gospel. It could inspire somebody else. And then the second half of this is this. Look what it says. The rest of Paul, he talks about now the motives of other people. He says now, some indeed, look at verse um, 15, it's really 15, 16, 17. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and, and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then he goes on to say, well, I'm glad the gospel's preached. This is a unique there thing where the gospel's going forward through Paul's confinement, and then while Paul's in confinement, he sees that the gospel's going forward even through people that he would not, I think, I wouldn't be like that. I wouldn't have that kind of motive. But you know what? I'm happy the gospel's going forward. Let's consider this. There's good motives, there's, bad, there's wrong motives, there's right motives, and then there's rejoicing. The gospel can be furthered through contrasting motives. Here's wrong motives. Look at the wrong motives, verse 15 and 16. Wrong motives. Many of the, verse, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, even of, that means out from, motivated by envy, what? And strife. That's weird. Oh, yeah. Even in Paul's day, there's people who had the right message and they knew this is the only way a person can be saved. But when they preached it, they did it out of envy for another preacher, maybe who had a crowd like, you know what, I'm going to get a bigger crowd than this guy. Watch this. And he'll preach a soul-saving gospel with a bad motive. Because I'm going to see, he's got a pretty big gathering, but I'm going to get a bigger one. I'm going to knock more doors, and I'm going to have more events, and I'm going to attract a bigger crowd, and hopefully see some more converts and all that. Yeah, and it's of envy, and it's of strife, and it's, Paul said there were some people, apparently there were some people who had this competitiveness with Paul. Like, yeah, we know Paul, but you know, we follow the Apollos sect of Christianity. They're much more bold. Or we follow the, the, the Cephas. They had different personality cults sometimes in that day. And perhaps some people, they, they went on to preach the gospel and they thought, you know what, uh, we want to outdo Paul. Their focus wasn't, I just care about people and I want to see them saved and they get saved, great, if I have a big church, if I have a small church, it doesn't matter. Oh, Paul, I'm glad you're doing great. No, their focus was, their focus was this other person while they're doing the work of the gospel. Um, what is this? It, they had, perhaps some did it for selfish attention. Perhaps some, they were trying to promote their style of Christianity against Paul, whatever Paul was doing. Perhaps some were saying, I'm going to preach the gospel. Watch this. If Paul was only like me, he wouldn't be in this confinement. They had different, they had bad, there's certain people who had bad attitudes towards Paul. And so some had the wrong motive. Now listen to this. Some have the right message today but the wrong motive for giving it. Some people do it. I know, I know what this is like. Some people have this suspicion all the time. 
He's just in it for the money. Some people are, might just be in it for the money, a preacher or a pastor. Maybe they are. God knows. Maybe you'll get signals or maybe you would get um, evidence that you might think a preacher or a pastor is. But there probably are some like that. Some might be preaching a true gospel, but you know what? They're just, they just want the pleasure of growing an organization and being like, look at this that I'm over. And the motive is something else. Great. I'm glad there's a lot of people. It's all like, yeah, a lot of people are getting saved, but look at this church that I get to have. Some people have wrong motives in that they want to snub another person. I see what that, I see what that so-and-so church did. Well, I'm going to outdo it. And there's this competitiveness. Those are wrong motives. Those are wrong motives. But then there's some with right motives, and we need right motives. Notice what Paul says. He says, some don't have the right, the, right, the right motive, but some do have the right motive. Look what it says in verse um, 15. Some preach Christ, look at the end of verse 15, of goodwill. What is it coming from? I'm going to tell you how to be saved because, of, because what's motivating me is I just have a selfless interest in your state, in your outcome. I care about your outcome, so I'm going to preach to God. I'm going to tell you how to trust Jesus, who Jesus Christ is, and how to trust Him as your personal Savior. That's out of goodwill. Whether I have a big church or a small church or people know about it or don't know about it, it doesn't matter. I care about your outcome. That's goodwill. Some of goodwill. And some of love. Look what it says, verse 17. The others preach, another way of saying it, of love. I'm preaching because I care about you. I have true benevolence for you. I'm giving the gospel not because I'm hoping you'll like me. Hoping you'll think I'm really cool. No, I don't care. It doesn't matter if you like me or think I'm cool. I love you. Love, by the way, love does right by a person whether they, whether they like him back or not. And this is that word, agape. Paul says some people have the purest and best motives. Some people do not have the best motives. But he says, Christ is preached. He's happy about that. By the way, we need to have right motives. I, the Lord, search, I search the, the reins and try the hearts to give to every man according to their works. God does, God, God does, God does, your motive does matter. I want you to don't understand. Our motive does matter in so many things we're doing in life. And here's one of the reasons why. Because it's going to get weighed out on the judgment seat. In other words, there, it's conceivable, this is a, based on what we know in Scripture, it's conceivable that you could have two, you could have um, a pastor and a church member both stand before the Lord one day. And this pastor uh, preached and he had, through his work, there was, let's say, a thousand people saved over the course of 10 years. But he was just doing it for the money or he was doing it for the attention or whatever. It was not love and it wasn't of goodwill. His reward is going to be very small compared to the person who, maybe he wasn't a pastor, but he gave the gospel out of genuine goodwill. He's genuinely interested in that neighbor, that cousin. Whether they liked him back or not, whether they were going to treat him, he gave the gospel to those few people. Perhaps he gave the gospel to a hundred people. And only two of them got saved, but he had the right motive. That will become gold at the judgment seat of Christ. The motive, so my point is, I'm not trying to go on a tangent. My point is our motive does matter. And Paul's here in prison. 
Paul's happy about the gospel going forth through what he's dealing with, and he hears about other people out there, and he's like, yeah, I hear this guy, he's doing it, and I'm hearing about his motive. I'm hearing others, they got the right motive. And Paul says, you know what? You know what? Verse 18. Either way, notwithstanding every way, that way, I don't like that way, or in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I... All right, I'm happy about it. Why? Because Christ is preached. That shows His goodwill. And I rejoice, and therein will rejoice. Now, I just got to tell you, for how this kind of soaks into this pastor, I, ha- I have to work my brain through this text sometimes. Because i be honest with you, I get baffled sometimes by uh, some people I see. I'm not saying that I'm doing everything right or we do everything perfect here. But I get baffled by some people that do ministries or do churches, and I'm like, what is that guy doing? That guy's a weirdo. And then, but I hear, oh, he preached the gospel. Well, i got to be honest with myself. I better be happy about it, just like Paul would be. Man, I would never wear pink socks as a pastor. That guy's wearing pink socks. I better check him. That's, in all honesty, that's superficial, but I kind of, my man part of me goes, Ugh, you know. His pants are a little too sissy britches for me, you know. I preach the gospel. All right, I better be happy about that. Now, I'm not saying every sissy britches preaches the gospel. There's some that sissy britches that don't, but... Um, Or certain people that have like, I, sometimes as a pastor, I get where I know too, more, too much about some people. And I know a little bit more about certain people than maybe they know I know. And I kind of start finding the motive and I, it gets me upset. But then I think, well, that guy preached the gospel. I should be happy about it. Again, that doesn't mean everybody preaches the gospel. But you can have weird people and off people preach the gospel, and people who would not do a, whose ministry philosophy is off preach the gospel. I, I get a little weird about, um, right now, there's this trend in the United States where people are like, we're non-denominational. And here's what I mean. They say, we don't have it. We don't, we're non-denominational. What does that mean? We don't know what we believe. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what, um, that's not what that means. But, but what I mean is it, they say that we're not, we're not going to have a, a particular name or whatever. And that's fine. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have the name Baptist. Or you have. There's nothing. Nothing in the Bible that says you have to have. You can have whatever name you want, but the most important thing is what you teach and preach and practice. So, but there's people like, we're not a denomination. Okay, fine. So they start a church, <clears throat> try to be real hip and cool and everything. And then they become successful in numbers and in um, maybe money and assets. And they're like, man, we're successful. We need to duplicate this template. And so let's have such and such church same thing, branch, east, same thing, such and such. Let's just say um, Cool Guy Church East, Cool Guy Church West, Cool Guy Church North Mesa, Cool, cool Guy Church South Mesa, Cool Guy Church Queen Creek. And they're the branches we franchised ourselves. And, 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 I, and now what are you? You're a denomination. Welcome to the denomination. You've just made yourself... 
And so that's happening. What's happening is there's men that are taking kind of a business mindset, like you've started a business and you franchise it and you keep it under this one little conglomerate. There's one central business organizational accountability. And really, in reality, that sounds really cool as an American, but it's just not New Testament autonomous churches. It's not. They're, the churches in the New Testament were totally autonomous. They could have freedom to fellowship and associate how they wanted. They were under no other thing except the congregational rule with the pastor leading. There was no other outside authorities once the apostles died. But there's churches like that. And you know what I have to do? I have to be honest with myself. I see that. I'm like, that's so dumb. But I'm like, okay, I listened to a few messages. like, I heard the gospel there. I'm I got to be happy then. Again, are all of them like that? No, but there's some that are like that that are preaching the gospel. So you know what I have to do? I have to do like the Apostle Paul. Rejoice. You know what that means? It means the gospel is bigger than all of us and better than all of us. That's the one thing to be happy about. Because one day we're going to die and stand before the Lord, and well, it's all that's going to matter is that, did you trust in the blood of that lamb? Yes, I did. All right, you're in with me. I see you're not wearing your pink socks anymore up in heaven. Yep. You know. And you'll say, I see you're not wearing your tie. I don't know. All right. Which there's nothing extra spiritual about a tie. Um, so Paul, that's the mentality, that's the attitude of Paul. Here's another thing, We're, I'm trying to wrap this up, but I want you to get this. Why is it like this? Why is Paul like this? You see imperfect people, you see good people, you see people that are weird, they preach the same message and Paul gets excited about it. In fact, that same message bears fruit. Why is, why is it like that? Why is it that even people can get saved under a guy who preaches the gospel behind the scenes, he's a crook? Or he's been a crook lately, or something like that. And I'm not trying to justify that. A pastor ought to get kicked out when you find out he doesn't be, he's not qualified. Or any other leader. But sometimes God blesses the word anyways. You know why? Because God will honor his word. His word. He said, David says, I, he said, I will, um, I will praise thee for thy loving kindness. He said, I will worship to thy holy temple and praise thee for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down from heaven and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the either. So shall my word be that cometh forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. In other words, God says, my word is the thing that's the big deal. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul said, and also in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're just ministers. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. God will honor his word even if it comes out of the mouth of a donkey. Paul said, I rejoice the gospel's preached. So do I.
do I have, in, do I get excited when I hear like, oh man, um, I, I get excited if I hear that there was a gospel message in some movie. Or if I hear like some celebrity, I, President Trump, I think two Christmases ago, gave a very clear gospel message. I think they just gave him the speech. I don't know if he's saved. He might be. But whatever he read, the gospel was right in it. It was during the Christmas time. I was like, man, that's good. That's good. Do I rejoice? Let us rejoice in the gospel further. Let us work for it. Let us pray for it. Let us think about it. even if it's in, by means that we wouldn't otherwise do or less than ideal. But the most important furtherance of the gospel is if this has it reached personally into each of your hearts. We want it to reach in all parts of the world, and it's starting to, and it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what's really needed, especially in the Middle East. It's reaching, and it might even reach to every part of your mind. And you may have music, but if it hasn't reached your heart, then it's not going to do you any good. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that gospel, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Then it lands exactly where it needs to be. The gospel needs to go to my heart. I need, that is, I need to come to a personal faith relationship with Jesus Christ to be saved. And I know so many of you have. That's where it needs to go first and foremost today if it hasn't for you. Let's have the attitude of Paul today.